I find when a man's desire is really strong and he's um, really enjoying himself, it kindles way more juice and fire in my body than if he's mentally in his head and trying to like poke around and figure out how to make me come. Welcome to the Natural Lifestyles Podcast with your hosts, James Marshall and Liam McRae, where we will be diving deep into the issues of modern masculinity, seduction, dating, lifestyle design, sexuality, psychedelics, you name it. This is the Natural Lifestyles Podcast. Okay, so from Fritz says, hey, I'm super stoked for this webinar. I'm putting a lot of pressure on myself whilst having sex with a woman by thinking I have to make her come. And if I don't succeed, I have thoughts that I'm a loser, etc. Would love to enjoy sex more. What are your thoughts on that? It's not really your fault that you have this orientation. It's it's the uh, active principle of wanting to please and wanting to like, we think that sex equals, uh, first of all, intercourse and secondly, orgasm. And we forget a really, really important part of sex and it's eros. And eros, it's like how much sexual tension can you generate and create and enjoy? How much of... We call, unfortunately, we call it foreplay, but it's not foreplay. It's actually just the act of sex as well. It's just the different aspects of it. And how skilled are you to induce pleasure in yourself and then the other person? Coming is a side effect of intense pleasure. So if you focus on coming, often what will happen in a woman's body is she'll shut down because she feels like you're trying to make her do something. If you don't care about that and you just follow the pleasure, follow it with your tongue, your nose, your fingertips, every part of you, follow the pleasure. If you're inside her, follow it with your cock, follow where's that pleasure, How it, what's happening in her body, listen. That language that's silent but strong in the body will most likely lead you to making her come but you're doing it because you're following the actual cues instead of thinking you have to do something. That's one thing. The second thing is if it's your first time with someone, quite often both parties are stressed. So it's a little bit harder to generate orgasm for some people. Other people, not at all, but a lot of people that first intimate experience can be a bit (laughs) edgy, can be a little confronting, maybe a lot of their issues. She's going to be thinking, does he like my breast? Am I cute enough? Am I hot enough? Do I smell okay? So anytime you can also use your words. If you, for example, just look at the vulva, you talk sexy talk to the vulva, like, wow, you know, you can use the word pussy, however she likes to be referred to. So beautiful. I mean, you just adore you do adoration through your words through your eyes and you're not touching it you're just it makes the vulva swell so already it's to your advantage because that's the pleasure factor so go for pleasure before you go for the orgasm and then that will start slowly coming and some women don't come at all the first few times they need something else and so what i tell women is don't worry about having an orgasm with your partner immediately Focus on pleasure because you know you can orgasm on your own. And if that's really important, have a few before you go on your date so that you're not like super hungry for it. And then you can relax and really enjoy the eroticism, really enjoy the connection and explore like what's driving you crazy. I find when a man's desire is really strong and he's um, really enjoying himself, it kindles way more juice and fire in my body than if he's mentally in his head and trying to like poke around and figure out how to make me come. Right. Yeah. Cause I mean, definitely from experience, I've you know talked to many women about this and 
they can have a really hot encounter without orgasm and they can also have a fairly robotic encounter with orgasm right? where it's like okay someone knows how to and, and you know that can happen in a long-term relationship where you know what buttons to press and how to do it and then you can get her off but you but it's not as sexy as like the, the thing where it was just like this overwhelming sensual experience and, and whether either of the parties came was kind of irrelevant Yes, exactly. And when you've had a lot of pleasure and someone's adored you, and really the best lovers I've ever had, even in one night stands, are the men who just A, loved pleasure, B, loved my body. So they're not afraid of the female body. And C, just kind of was in the flow and very much listening and and moving with me. That was uh, probably the best experiences. And then the worst ones were when the guy was kind of like flexing and looking at himself in the mirror. I'm like, um, there's somebody else here. So, you know, I've had the whole range of experiences, but the best thing really is your ability to listen and and kind of hunt and desire that pleasure and and follow that pleasure. Yeah. These days I don't usually penetrate a woman until she's begging for it. It's like that, uh, I will, I will have a, I will have a, an erotic discipline about that, that where, you know, it's, it's really is time. And also one thing for the guys that when you do penetrate the first time, even if the girl's like wants to buck back and start fucking hard, which sometimes is the case, I will generally hold the hips and say, stay still. And then like, like enter. And I really like have a dialogue with her pussy with my cock where it's like, I, I let the pussy change shape and fit to my shape. And you know, I'll, I'll clench the PC. So that swells my cock a bit. And then I might tell her squeeze your pussy around me. So we're having like this, it, it's very little friction initially. Um, it may end up being super hardcore sooner, but especially, you know, I mean, a lot of girls, they can, they can be really, I found, you know, it can have pain or tension and sometimes they want to kind of fuck through that in a way. Whereas I find, I've found that, uh, it's not all the time. Sometimes it, you know, it just does happen that way, but that if I can allow that docking or that, that time for us to really fit together and then, and then, you know, micro movements through the hips, and then we start to get to know the pace and then, and then, you know, things can get crazy after that. Found that works good. I like that you call it docking. I call it steaming. Steaming. <laughs> yeah, because there's this there's this idea, say, in the Taoist sexuality stuff, where the tip of a man's cock is connected to his heart, which is like fire. So there's this intensity, and the opening of a woman's pussy is connected to the element of water. And so when you bring fire and water together consciously, and you do it well, you can generate this steam, and it's an unbearable pleasure. So the fact that you're taking your time to just sit at the opening to just kind of move around gently and then slowly have her like kind of start to pull you in and play with that whole area. Um, Not only are you creating an advantage in terms of uh, regulating the two nervous systems. So those, that penetration moment is really important, important to regulate the nervous system. So you're kind of together instead of on these bumpy ride. The other part is as that's happening for her in the opening of the vulva, there's information going through the rest of the vulva. So that you, as you said, you probably notice more swelling, more engorgement, more engulfment is what I like to call it. And that's all bypassed. If you move too quickly, she won't even be that swollen and she won't even be that wet if you move too quickly. So fantastic. Yeah. I have a sense of that. Like I feel welcome, right? Like when I, when, when I stay in that space, there's a, there's a moment where it's like, I'm welcome here. I'm not like an invader. It's like, you know, I belong here now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. It's a sense. It, it, like I said, it, it regulates her nervous system. So instead of going into hyper mode, which can actually create a fight or flight response in the body. What you're doing is inducing relaxed arousal, which creates much deeper 
pelvic types of orgasms as well. Do you think there are some um, most important things that have kept your relationship vibrant and thriving? Thriving? Yes. Okay. I've had a several long-term relationships. Uh, the longest is the last one I just had, which was 13 years. And the sex was really hot for, I would say, almost all of it, except for unique pockets where we had a lot of stress. Why? What? What's good about that? How can you keep that going? The most important thing in long-term relationships is that you both want the Eros to live. And what happens often, though, is when people take off a relationship thing is they kind of think that, okay, now that's done, and they give their attention to other things. You can't do that with sexuality in a long-term relationship because you'll get bored really, really fast. The other thing that's really important is that you have your own passion in the world and you express it. You've got to be turned on outside of the connection. If you can turn yourself on outside of the connection and bring that turn on to your partner, it's going to keep things really juicy. And then the last thing I think is to explore some erotic edges. Be willing to take some risks, share fantasies, share um, new possibilities, have adventures, try things, being transgressive, even for some people that means switching on the light. It could be <laughs> really simple, but something transgressive outside of the norm. If you're always having sex in the bedroom or on the couch, try going out on the balcony while your neighbor's mowing the lawn or something kind of like edgy. Whoa, what's happening? Or on a hike or somewhere where you might get caught. And that can rekindle a lot of Eros because Eros really loves novelty and for a long-term partnership, you have to get creative to both bring novelty into that connection. So I think that's really important. And then the last part that I think is important is what are the things that are turning you on now? Because when you first met, most likely that's changed and evolved. So you're going to have to actually think about that and sit with it and go, well, what actually is turning me on now? What do I want to explore erotically? What am I willing to share with my partner. Maybe I'm scared to say these things. Maybe I think they're going to not want me anymore if I say these things. The That's the fuel for the juiciness is that erotic conversation. And within the safety of the relationship, look, this is really important to me. How it happens, I don't know. But but these are the things that when I think about them, I find them very arousing. i got a, a, just a question that popped in my mind just now. Like, What do you think about the level of vulnerability that a man can can allow with his primary partner without because i mean i've seen in in some relationships and i've certainly seen this with a lot of clients that there seems to be a level where if a woman sees a man falling apart especially if it's a longer term thing or he's yeah like the, there's a, there seems to be a certain level of vulnerability where even if she doesn't want to logically where the woman can't like respect him anymore or it's or maybe it brings in some fear to her or, or, or it turns her off in some way do you think there's a because you know in the ideal romantic world we would be able to share everything and including all of our fears and vulnerabilities and neuroses and so on but do you think that within particularly within a, a tight couple that that can be dangerous especially from the man's side to the woman dangerous i don't know about danger unless you like danger well i mean i mean dangerous in the sense that she like that if he reveals too much of himself that then that she's like i he can't handle his life or now i'm kind of his mummy or something like that Absolutely. There's there's a, a, a time and a place. So intimacy and eros, think of them as two very important pillars to successful relating. If there's no intimacy at all, no revealing, the eros at some point is like, well, what do I have to play with? There's like nothing there. I don't know anything that's going on. It's exciting, but then it's like, I want depth. So there's lacking depth without the intimacy. Then with the intimacy part, you can get so deep 
that the Eros is like, and then just kind of goes and hides because they, they, they just, they, they're needed, but they can really overwhelm each other. So what I would say to that is uh, something you brought up. A romantic relationship is actually not meant to fulfill every single role. And it's actually very important. What is the primary role that you want in this relationship? Are you lovers? Are you going to be parenting each other? This is a very, very important thing because what happens with women when men really start to open up and reveal is they can switch into mother mode when they suddenly go, okay, this guy's no longer lover. He needs nurturing. He needs care. And it's very quick for women. It's, they really quickly go there. So if they go there and there's no conscious shifting back into lover, that dynamic, she'll stay in, in mother mode and then he's going to start feeling mothered and then it's going to smother and then it's, it's really going to spiral out. So what I have to say to that is, yes, I would say process big things with someone who actually can handle it and, and enable you to come to insight. It's really important. And then bring that kind of vulnerable awareness, self-awareness of yourself to your partner and share that. But the actual intense emoting and trying to work things out and, and all of that, what that'll do is it'll engage the mother instinct in the woman and it just kind of ruins the lovership. So it's not that she doesn't love you. It's just now she's stuck in a role that maybe is making her feel unsexy and she was really enjoying feeling sexy. So... Again, it's that balance of eros and intimacy. If it's only intimacy, she's only going to have the mother piece available. But it goes both ways. That's I think awesome. sometimes women overshare as well. And so what I found that was very useful in my relationship to keep things hot is my best friend. And I would go to her and I would process a lot of things with her as well as my journal. And I have an internal practice. So there has to be different ways, not just one person where you feel safe only with that one person and you give everything to that one person. And then you don't consciously switch back that that transition is what ruins things for people that conscious we're going to enter into this and now we're going to shift. Okay. So Charles says, my girlfriend can only orgasm through masturbation with a shower head alone in the shower. She never orgasmed while having sex with me. She's very clitoral, not much vaginal. She likes very much to be eaten or being squeezed with my hand. How can I help her to relax enough so that she can climax? Climax clitorally or vaginally? I guess he's talking about vaginally because he says she can have, she can only have clitoral orgasm alone in the shower with a very particular kind of technique, I guess. So maybe I want either to share something both. about anatomy that's amazing. The sensations in the vagina are connected to the clitoris. So you can actually through, um, it has to be done in a way where you're not trying to make her come. What you're doing is more like you're going to create more sensation. So it's like a map. You're, you're going in and you're mapping out uh, her body and you're opening up her body because a lot of the nerves in the vagina, if they've not been touched in a way that's sensitive, they'll be a little bit desensitized or numb. And the way that women put in tampons and the way they use dildos and the way that you know they've had speculums put into their bodies, often this area can be shut down. So the clitoris, if you look at it as an anatomical structure, when you are in the vagina and you're pressing up on that spongy, ridgy area, the urethral sponge area, if you press up and the woman is sensitive, she will actually feel that sensation in the vagina on the tip of her clit because it's connected. So if she's very sensitive with the clitoris, 
she actually can be very sensitive vaginally, but you're going to have to bridge that gap. So you might have to go in and just explore and there won't be a lot of sensation. So once in a while you're stroking the clitoris so she can feel that and then have her like bring that sensation into where your fingers are. But if you're doing this, it's not going to work because you, that's not mapping. That's just repeating a thrusting motion. So you want to be going in and mapping out and find out where where is it sensitive? Where does it feel really good? Spend some time there, open it up and then stimulate the clitoris again. So it's kind of using an area that's awake to entrain an area that's asleep. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so it's pretty epic actually, because once a woman starts to really understand her anatomy, if I experience engorgement, I can actually trace the clitoral legs and I can trace the whole urethral sponge just through sensation. But that's because I know the anatomy and I've awakened my body. So you may want with your girlfriend to look at some of the anatomy again on that camera app or even on Instagram. I think they posted some really great stuff, stuff about it's called the CUV complex. And it's how all these different parts of the female anatomy are actually one complex. And when you understand that and you know how to stimulate these different areas and start to bridge them, it becomes like hyper uh, activated. So that's the building blocks. You're not going to go from a clitoral orgasm all the time to a sudden vaginal orgasm overnight because you do need to resensitize and entrain the body to receive and relax. And for a lot of women, vaginal orgasms are very emotional and they don't want that. It can bring up anger. It can bring up they they could be very tense, and so the idea of relaxing means they feel very vulnerable. So some of this work they're going to have to do on their own for sure. And also, if you're doing it more as a, as I said, an activation process versus a make her come process, and you're like, hey, let's just do this every once in a while. I just want to pleasure you with no goal in mind, and just see like what happens, how much we can open up your body. I think you're going to have a lot that's of fun. Really, yeah, that's, I'm, I'm excited too. I'm, I want to go and do all this right now. <laughs> and yeah, just at the end there, like the way that you introduce that verbally is important that it's casual, that it's, it's, it's sexy and, there's, and there isn't, as you basically pre-framed the woman that, that she doesn't have to do anything. There's no like, it's not like I've learned this new thing and I, I'm going to do it and then you're going to think I'm awesome or whatever. It's like, yeah, just this this sense of we are exploring together without outcome is, is really important to communicate. Yeah, I think it's also important that she's not just a passive laying back receiver. She needs to be an active receiver. So that's the part of like paying attention to the sensation, having her map sensorially. So it's called introceptive awareness. So look into that. It's a really cool thing to build in the body where you're aware of the body, but from the inside. You can actually use your awareness and somatically become aware of sensation, not the hand touching from the outside, but being the body feeling the hand touching. So it's a very specific type of awareness that everybody, men, women, everyone can train. Do you have any tips for a woman that wants to control when she squirts? My girl always squirts when I play with her, not because I'm trying to make it happen or anything. And she doesn't always like it, mostly for practical reasons. Ah, yeah, very, right. very good question. I'd have to think about that because it's definitely something I had to train my body. And now I'm it's kind of Pavlov's dog. If there's no safety, like someone hasn't taken the time to put a few layers of towels or something underneath me, it won't happen. 
the second the towels come, then it's like, woo, <laughs> the sprinkler system begins. So there's perhaps giving her a chance to slow down. Maybe don't always go for the types of stimulation that result in squirting. What I find is a little aggravating to the female body is that you get excited when we come and we get you know turned on. You get very excited. And then we have our first orgasm or the second one and you just keep going and going and going. We actually need to breathe. So when there's a lot of pleasure and intensity, pause sometimes. It'll build that erotic tension and it'll allow the nervous system to calibrate. And then her body can decide whether it fully releases or not as well. So there might be a little bit of a training period where it's like, okay, let's just see what are the signals that your body's getting when you know you want to squirt and I'll just back off since you don't want to do that today and we can do something else. So she can control it, but it, she needs to practice on her own and also with you and learn what are the signals and how can she relax or actually just slightly tighten the pelvic floor and breathe a certain way that won't allow for the squirting to come forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, I was when I was talking with that uh, Goldilocks the other day, because she has like m many, many orgasms. And afterwards, she said, oh, it's actually not good for me to have too many. Uh, and I could see like after she'd had, I don't know, 15 or something in a very short amount of time, and she looked drained. Like, I'm curious to know, like, I know for me, I mean, I don't, you generally, I don't come at all, because I know once I do, I'm done for, I mean, and I can feel it for days afterwards at my age. But what's the what's what's that like on the female side because we, we we're aware as men that uh, some some women or women who are trained can have multiple orgasms and we're like wow that's awesome so you just get more and more and more but there's there seems to be like some diminishing like even though the the pleasure in that moment of orgasm is super intense there seems to be some deficit or or what what is the effect of a woman having let's say too many orgasms whatever that is means for her I mean, one can be too many for some women because for some women, one then collapses everything. But um, it's a nervous system issue. So when in our culture, we're not promoting people to have really robust nervous systems that can handle a lot of pleasure. So that's that's the first thing is is to get everybody to to have more pleasure. So one of the ways you can do that when you're pleasuring someone so that their nervous system calibrates properly is, is touch their whole body. Don't just focus on the erogenous zones. So yes, you're stimulating, maybe they've had an orgasm, but then kind of almost feel like you're smearing that orgasmic energy like everywhere. Sometimes strong squeezes where you're kind of grabbing the legs and squeezing down, um, even the arms sometimes squeezing, not like in a way that's gonna hurt, but just enough to kind of feel like you're pushing the energy into the bones a little bit. And it's very grounding, that kind of touch and then she will be calibrated to have another one without having what I call like the, uh, it's almost like a clitoral overwhelm because it doesn't really happen with vaginal orgasms, but it does happen with the clitoral ones. So again, on a Taoist uh, scheme, clitoral or orgasms are like peak orgasms. They're very hot and high and they go up and out and usually the body tenses. Vaginal orgasms are kind of in and down and there's like an opening or a spreading and it can be very emotional. That's the pelvic nerve. So they have these, these two um, nerves work very differently. One only has excitation fibers, which is the clitoris. The pelvic nerve has both excitation and relaxation fibers. So if it's um, a lot of clitoral or induced orgasms, 
then spend more time inside the vagina and stimulating more the pelvic nerve. So having deeper pelvic uh, nerve orgasms, even if she doesn't come that deeper vaginal play and um, pleasuring and you just really listening and following and, and noting what's going on in there. Cause it's pretty amazing what can happen. <laughs> if you're really listening, the body will be uh, telling you a lot. And so those deeper orgasms can also recalibrate her nervous system. But I think in the end of the day, James, we're just not that trained. So the masses, you know, if you train just a little bit, and what I mean by that is learn how to modulate your nervous system from stress to relaxation back and forth over and over again, and it translates sexually. So when I'm getting where it's a lot, I may even just put my hands on my partner's hips or just ask him to breathe with me and just have kind of some moments of like stillness. And I have to do it because a lot of time the lover will forget or just get so excited and you can see the energy starting to rise and build and get really like intense in his body. And I can see um, we're going to head towards coming soon if things also don't slow down and I need to calibrate differently anyway. So it's a dance back and forth, but if she's very, very unskilled, then you're the one that's going to have to do some of the grounding breathing work, breathe with your belly, you know, that belly to belly contact and you just deepen the breath have your heart on her heart and that chest connection, even though it feels really intense and intimate, it's a really wonderful way to help the system absorb the pleasure and calibrate the pleasure. Yeah, I do that a lot because I'm often with untrained girls uh, and I don't need to explain the whole technicalities to them and you know the philosophy or whatever. It's like, I will, yeah, just after a peak, uh, let's say a, a peak where I don't come, maybe she does. And then I will hold her hips and tell her to, you know, feel like, feel my cock, squeeze my cock as she breathes in. It's very, very kind of easy to train someone in the moment or place my hand on her belly and say, breathe in and push, push my hand out. So yeah, that's an awesome skill set for men to do, which is not so difficult. It does require you to have done some of the belly breathing and the types of things we look at in the martial meditation method and the movement classes, which I've been showing you guys. Like, uh, you know, I didn't realize when I was in Shaolin Temple many decades ago that I was training to be an excellent lover whilst I was learning all these breathing techniques. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's extraordinarily powerful. Um, and I think just like, I think a lot of men and probably women too think that sex is like a helicopter blade speeding up and then it speeds and speeds and it just keeps getting faster and faster, right? And then, and if you're really good, you can hold on for 20 minutes or more and, but it just keeps needing to raise in intensity, but definitely the, the best sex will be ones that is more like an undulation or a wave, which builds into really, uh, really intense fiery moments and then coming back down into stillness and subtlety uh, and intimacy. And then, you know, and that, that can happen within a BDSM scene. It can happen within a really nasty sexual experience. It's actually better when it does, because like I said, it built, keeps that erotic tension happening. If you're just, um, if you stimulate the body over and over again really fast, it numbs out. When you stimulate and then change the texture of the touch and then another way and then another way, it's like, it's really exciting. And also it's different. So the, the nervous system is calibrating differently. So there's less overwhelm. So I think that's quite important. And then I think you were saying earlier, you sometimes breathe with your cock. And I think that that's so yummy. Like if men could learn to do that where you're not resting and you're just in and you're using your pelvic floor to breathe, there's an expansion and a relaxation of the cock. So sometimes the cocks aren't always rock hard and full of blood the entire time. They also go through this sort of sine wave of engorging and deflating as sex is happening. So when you extend sex beyond 
10, 20 minutes and you're going for an hour, two hours or however long you're going, you're going to notice those rhythms and they're really nice rhythms. And I really love that feeling of not a lot of movement, but I can feel my partner breathing into me. It can lead to very intense orgasms. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's because the head of the cock resting on the cervix and you're just breathing. The cervix loves this. It does not love this. It loves this. So when you're doing that, it's less tiring as well. And now you're really stimulating the pelvic nerve even more than when you're getting the G-slot area. Thanks so much for listening to the Natural Lifestyles Podcast. Check us out on YouTube at The Natural TV. See you on the next episode.